What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fatherhood on the Field podcast. I'm your host, Luke Sawyer. Today, we were joined by Blake Farrell, pastor of Restoration Clearwater, where we talked about raising girls, family integrated church, and what fatherhood means for believers in 21st century America. Remember that the Fatherhood on the Field podcast is brought to you by Timberview Cabins. Timberview Cabins builds and sells vacation rental properties in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and the surrounding area. If you're considering purchasing real estate for investment purposes, give these guys a call. For more information, check out TimberviewCabins.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Fatherhood on the Field podcast. Uh, I am Luke Sawyer, your host, and very excited today to be joined by Blake Farrell, um, man, I don't even know how many different descriptions of your job I can describe, um, <laughs> but the pastor of Restoration Clearwater, the owner of Restoration Cafe, uh, I don't know what your job is with Bain, but that too. Um, an accountant? An accountant with Bain, um, <laughs> and a father of, of four kids. So, uh, Blake, as, as we kind of get started, tell us a little bit about you, uh, your fatherhood journey, family journey, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, as you said, I, I wear a handful of hats, so it's always kind of funny when someone asks me, Hey, what do you do? I'm like, well, where, which one do I start with? Given all the context, the uh, let's see <laughs> this context. I'm an accountant and then I'm a pastor and then I'm a coffee. No, I'm a pastor and then I'm a coffee shop owner. And then I'm anyway. Uh, so yeah, there's quite a, quite a few things. And, and usually by that time I'm like, Hey, yeah, I, I'm running this coffee shop. I'm, I'm leading this church and Oh yeah, I got a part-time job doing some accounting and, uh, then I get to say, oh, oh yeah, I've got four kids too. And, and people at that point just stop listening to me and they're like, you're a crazy person, you know? Um, and, uh, so yeah, we, we've, we've come to this place where we, what's that? I said, I get that response a lot too. Exactly. Four kids, exactly. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I know it's a, it's, it's a blast and, you know, uh, you know, Christy and I both come from families of four kids. So, um, you know, we're kind of used to this setup. It's not something foreign to us from, from that like family of origin standpoint, obviously we didn't like react negatively about having three siblings in our, in our growing up. So, uh, we've been very willing to take on the craziness of, uh, of the big family and, um, and enjoying it. Yeah. But, uh, but it's been a journey, like I said, I mean, uh, man, I was just thinking about, you know, this question earlier, like all the kids and like, like breaking it down, like thinking about the experience of having kids and one at a time. And just so funny to me because right now we've got this, uh, this, uh, dad and daughter who come in for coffee, uh, in the mornings. And it's, it's very clear that this is the only kid, you know, like this is the one, the one single kid and, and this kid could do no wrong. And this kid's like amazing and the most smartest, most intelligent, beautiful, being that has ever walked the face of the earth and 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 you know as soon as they leave i'm like i say to my priest that's that's an only child right there definitely <laughs> no doubt about it um you know because I, I can remember that feeling of like of having one having one kiddo and just like wow this is amazing little kid and i mean has anybody had a better kid it's probably not possible that anyone's had a better kid in in uh in history so you know and so that feeling and and to now where you got four and just like i don't know anything about anything you know um so there's definitely been a journey from start to finish um i can remember you know i was thinking about this aspect of the journey like 
I can remember still today and ever, I think every, hopefully every dad can uh, in some way, but like the day you bring your first kid home and you're just like, for me, there was a moment between when my wife and my mother-in-law were like coming back up to our apartment and I had brought Hattie up into the house alone. It was just me and her. And I set her down in the car seat and I'm going, this kid's not like, I'm responsible for this. (laughs) Like as simple as as simple as a thought that that was, I just like felt this crazy, you know, weight of responsibility, crazy feeling of inadequacy. Like there is no way anybody in their right mind would trust me with this. This is insane. Um, And I'm I'm responsible for keeping this, this uh, human being alive. Uh, So that was like very, you know, impactful moment for me. I can still see that image very clearly in my, in my mind's eye today. Um, and, you know, fast forward to, you know, number four and the experience there, like, I also remember the day that, uh, that Christy said, Hey, I've got some, I've got some good news and some bad news. Uh, we're pregnant, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it just like the, Oh my gosh, we're having another kid. Uh, can't wait. Like, Cause we weren't ready for four at that point. We were not planning on four. It just had, uh, it just had happened and just like, all right, Lord, here we go. Number four. Um, you know, but by that time it's like, well, it's gonna be great. Like four. Yeah. It's no, what's one more, you know, we can do this. Um, and a hundred percent. Yeah. Like I, my fourth kid, uh, I don't know if I can say this in, in public spheres. Uh, my fourth kid sleeps (laughs) in like the converted garage because at this point you're like, "Eh, it's number four. (laughs) We got this thing figured out. He'll be fine. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. He's all set. Yeah. He's good. That's right. So yeah, I know it's a, it's a lot of fun and you know, it's fun to think about all the different uh, personalities, you know, in the kiddos and you know uh, I, I, I realized this, I think between from one and I don't know if this happens with all kids, uh, families of multiple children, but in my family, it seems to have progressed from uh, not loud to loudest in terms of one, two, three, four, um, you know, cause I thought Claire was like way louder than, than Hattie was uh, like when she came in, but then Ellie came along and I was like, Whoa, this kid, is, this kid can scream. Like, this is nuts. And now Roy's around just like, what the heck this guy cannot stop, you know? So, um, you know, levels of energy change. It's just like insane. So, but yeah, all amazing. You know, it's been a wonderful journey and I, I, I don't take any credit for it at all. I have an amazing wife who's helped me, uh, learn every step of the way and, and, uh, grow through the whole process. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of that got four, nine, seven, four, two right now about to go 10, eight, what is that? Five, three in the next month. They're all like April to May. You guys so are all like real, like up against each other with birthdays, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is about the summertime, but apparently that works out for us. So anyway. it's a very expensive month. <laughs> yeah. So. so, so that's interesting. So you have, you know, obviously Hattie, Claire, Ellie, Roy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, flipped of us in that you have three girls and a boy. We have three boys and a girl. Um, yep one of the, the things that I've been excited to talk to you about is just that dynamic of raising girls. Um, as most of our podcasts, most of our conversations have been around baseball, fatherhood, raising boys. Um, yeah. You know, as, as you're kind of venturing into the raising girls sphere, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you seen? I mean, I know Roy, he comes over to my house and wants to tackle my kids immediately. Yep. Entering the door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what, what have you seen in terms of the differences between, you know, fathering girls, fathering boys, how you engage with them? Yeah. Yeah. I think I didn't really know any different, right. Until Roy came along and in a lot of ways, like how different I had it, uh, you know, compared to other, you know, other splits of, of girl versus boy or whatever. And so I think probably you, you can see a lot of, uh, contrast between Jojo and, uh, Eli and Isaiah and, and, and Judah. Uh, so it's, it's funny how that, you know, that one, one different, uh, one in the mix is probably highlighting a lot of differences between the kids for, for you as well. Um, but yeah, when Roy came along, I just realized like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is a different ball game. We've raised three girls, but I don't know yet how to raise a boy. And so, you know, I'm, I'm learning that process. Um, but I was thinking about, okay, so what, what kind of things are different, uh, in so far, uh, in, in raising my girls compared to seeing Roy. And, you know, I was thinking about, uh, the way that they play, right? Like, you can learn a lot about kiddos in terms of the way that they play. Um, you know, like when your boys are over the house, it is a competition. We are going to have a competition. There's no way around it. There is someone against someone else and we're going to go at it. You know, we're going to see who's the best at whatever it may be. Right. Um, it is a contest oriented, uh, scenario almost all the time. Uh, and I can see that already playing out in, in Roy with like, uh, you know, I've got like these cars that we play with, whatever. It's always like this one is fighting the other one and destroying it or whatever. It's like always the conflict, right? That's, that's happening. Um, with my girls, I mean, I, I didn't really see how, how contrasting this was until Roy came along, but, uh, everything they play with every single thing, it, like everything they play with is about a family and a relationship and a story and something that's happening that that they have dreamed up in their mind about how these things are interacting and i'm not kidding everything okay so like uh like yeah okay legos you know you could see those being more relational like okay i'm building this house and whatever but even that i'm sure like the boys don't necessarily build a house and a cafe and like uh, well, they, a they library build armies. they build armies. yeah they <laughs> exactly okay so so that's already different uh, and you can see obviously dolls like obviously dolls are going to relate there's gonna be families and there's gonna be a whole dynamic or whatever but like i'm talking like nail polish okay sets of nail polish that my my wife has given to the kids to play with at times and they have created little families of all the different nail polishes uh marbles okay you get a marble work set like it's literally like the family is training in how to run through the marble set, like how fast you can go down the marble works. You know what I mean? So they're literally just like families and relationships and stories and everything they play with. So uh, that's been interesting to see. Yeah, dude, that's super interesting. So, and it's interesting even listening to your girls talk, you know, that yeah. that seems to play out in, in so many things that they're talking about. So one of the things mm-hmm. I've loved about listening to your girls talk, like even driving in my car yeah. as my boys are talking to them, is they talk so much about their daddy daughter dates with you. So oh, and, wow. that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're stoked for, for daddy daughter lunch all the time. Um, yep. So what does it look like for you with having four kids? Sorry, this is off the record of the questions. That no, I have, you're good. But of having four kids of connecting individually mm-hmm. with each of their hearts throughout kind of just the craziness of like, you have three different jobs. Like how do you do yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we set out, I don't know, like I think it was last year, year before I was just like, I've got to, we've got to find a way to individually connect with these kiddos. Cause like, otherwise it's just this mess all the time. Like there's no actually getting to have a conversation uh, with my kid and, and knowing who they are one-on-one. And so I set a goal of uh, once a month, at least once a month, having lunch with one of my girls uh, each, you know, each month. And so it ends up being like every week I'm taking one of them out at this point. Cause I got four. Um, and so we're just kind of rotating through and yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, I got to eat, they got to eat, you know, we might as well do this together at least once a week uh, and try and figure that out. And, and it's been awesome. I mean, to this point, honestly, like uh, conversationally, it hasn't like been groundbreaking or anything, you know, like all the things that I think of in my head about going to lunch with my kiddo, like, I'm like, okay, we're gonna have this. Okay. What do I need to ask them? And it's usually like, Hey, you know, how are your friends? And like, good. <laughs> it's like, wait, uh, okay. Who are you hanging out with? Eh, whatever. It's like super quick. And so like, I know that, uh, that the conversation hasn't gotten into great detail yet, but I also know what you said is that, uh, they value it highly, even yeah. if, even if there's not a lot of information exchange at this point in our lives, they know that I want to talk to them and I'm there if they want to talk and we've got a context for that. And so I'm hoping that that's laying the foundation for a future where like they are comfortable with going out to get something with dad, having some food and, and talking through whatever they want to talk, talk through whenever it breaks. And so, um, that's been something really important to me is to establish a rhythm that like, um, that I could easily follow. Uh, and like, all right, if I have a goal of just connecting with one of them a week, uh, and, and grabbing lunch or now it's ice cream in the afternoon, which is, I, I'm down with that. Um, and, and, uh, is, you know, if I can have a goal of just connecting with one of them a week, that's, that's simple. And if you miss a week, it's very easy to just like, okay, next week we're catching up and, and just keep going through the rotation and they kind of look forward to it and know who's next and that kind of thing. And, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it, but I, I do think that, you know, between, uh, the, the girls definitely know what they're going to wear, <laughs> uh, to daddy daughter date. Like they've picked something out. Oh, I want to wear this one, dress up, blah, blah. And Roy's just like, go with whatever, you know, it doesn't, yes, doesn't <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it, it does seem, you know, they value it a lot, even if uh, conversation hadn't gotten to some depth that I initially hoped it would to, would get to, but, uh, but at this point, it's just like establishing a nice rhythm of like, let's connect. Let's, you know, I value time with you. Um, we're trying next to try and, you know, get Christy that same time because, you know, she's with them all day. Sure. But like, how many times is she actually with them, you know, one on one? And it's actually hard to find that. Time. So, um, yeah, it's really important. You know, we are in a very similar place of the same thing, trying to figure out yeah. how do we get Abby that time? Because for me, it's, it's Sunday mornings early. Uh, right. you know, pre-church it's Panera dates and dollar 29 cent bagels. And that's what we do. We yep. have a but Abby's been saying the same thing. Like, Hey, I need this time too. Where do we, yeah. Find? So, yeah. so let right. me ask you this because a lot of the people who are listening to, you know, this podcast are believers. They're trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, um, how yeah. to engage fatherhood, following Jesus, all this kind of stuff you pastor a church that is unique in the way you view family. Um, yeah. 
So as, as you look at kind of this family integrated model, for many people, they might not know even what that looks like. What does family integrated church mean for you? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I talked to Christy about this some and she's like, I don't know about this all. I don't care what the, what you call the model or whatever. Uh, you know, it's, just, it's really, we have a totally different uh, bent or slant on it. But um, I do think we are intentional about getting back to something that's actually pretty familiar to my growing up, uh, which is you know, back in the day, you just go to church and you would go to church with your family. And yeah, you might sit in a pew and you might sit next to your family, just coloring on a coloring book. Like that is actually pretty normal to my early uh, church experience as a kiddo. Okay. But sometime during my growing up, uh, there's a shift in American culture to, okay, every age group needs some programming for their age group. And that kind of spawned into, okay, we've got sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, everyone has their little category. Um, and I would say, I think there is some value to, to some of that. Uh, not saying it's a, a bad way to do things, sure. but it is, uh, there's also value in the other, the other way, uh, which is the family integrated model. And so, um, for me, sort of the, the, there's a couple, couple of things. Uh, I didn't want to, when starting a church, just create program for program's sake, you know, like we need a kid's ministry because churches have kids ministries. And so we need one. Uh, okay. Well that, that, you know, if it's just my kids, why do I need a kid? You know, so there's some efficiency related things. Um, and so I also didn't want to just like, like I said, didn't want to create programs for program's sake. Uh, and I also had this value of learning from other generations. So what I think happens a lot of times in church world is that we segment into life stage and generation, and then we rob ourselves of the, the potential discipleship input of normal, regular interaction with people that are outside of our life stage. Um, so like, you know, I believe that if you're a young married with kids family, you are naturally going to gravitate to other young married with family, you know, uh, with, with kids uh, uh, situations. So like, I'm going to want to hang out with you guys because you're in the same life stage. So I'm going to naturally go find time with you. I'm not going to naturally go find time with someone of a different life stage. And so in church, I thought, you know, let's, let's push people toward that more uncomfortable space of, now I'm, you know, in community on a regular basis with someone that's an empty nester and had kids or a senior or a single or whatever. And now I'm viewing the Bible from their perspective as well as mine and getting to kind of interact over that. Um, that spills into the family level. Like at what point do you start including the kids in, uh, in church and in, in a community group and these types of things. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, we've, we've kind of had that set at like seven years old, you know, you can come be a part of big service the whole time. And even during our worship times, you know, the younger ones, six and under are, are there and are part of it. And they're seeing mom and dad worship and praise Jesus. And, um, and yeah, do they, are they going to remember everything from that Sunday? No, they're not. And the truth is neither am I. So, um, but what they are seeing is a model of like, Oh, mom and dad value this. Like dad wants to sing to his Lord, you know, that's an important thing to see. Um, and so anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big value of mine. I've talked for a little bit. I don't know what maybe things you want to jump off on that, but. No, but I, I think that's, that's fantastic because I think what it does is, you know, uniquely in, in terms of American church world is it puts the onus back on the parents. 
right? right. Like the, the primary discipling entity in the life of a child is the parents rather than farming that responsibility out to a youth pastor, yeah. a children's pastor. Not that, that those things are unbiblical or anything like that. Right. But it puts the onus back on the parents to say, all right, like uh, my kids, obviously we're in your church. My kids mm-hmm. are sitting in service every week. They're listening to you. Yeah. teach. There are things that are going to go over their heads. Right. But yeah. whose responsibility is it to fill in the blanks? That's my responsibility. Um, yeah. It's not the responsibility of somebody else. And so it also allows us as parents the opportunity to walk with our kids in that. Um, yeah. In understanding. All right. Like, hey, we talked about you know, what are we, Joshua 5 this week? We talked about Joshua yeah. 5. Now, throughout the week, we're going to continue to expand on Joshua 5 because yeah. now we have this, this concrete point for all of us where we've been yeah. this together, we've heard this together, we're walking through this together. It hits all of us differently because we're all in different categories and different, you know, life stages. Yeah. Things. But now we walk through it together as a family. So yeah. as you've looked at this, obviously there's difficulties in yeah. family integrated church. Um, even from the standpoint of it's uncomfortable, right? Like most, most people are used to kind of the standard church model. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I come to church on Sunday and that's kind of my hour and a half of, I don't have my kids time. Um, (laughs) how has that impacted you in terms of shepherding people that might not be accustomed to the model that you have? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's just, uh, um, I think I'm inviting people into something that's challenging for sure. I mean, you know, in a, in a Sunday morning service, you might have uh, one of our kids, uh, <laughs> most likely one of our kids, yours or mine, um, <laughs> you know, walking around, <laughs> walking around in front of, uh, in front of the worship leader or in front of me or what have you uh, during, uh, during the worship time. And, you know, uh, people are used to that now. And, you know, there is some like level, I think of, uh, comfort in it, but also beauty. Like it, it just makes it feel more like home that a kid could feel safe. You know, like, you know, we're all there watching this kiddo, like walk in front of us or whatever, up to the, up to right in front of the worship leader or whatever, and like turn around and then go, you know, you know, obviously once he's disturbed, you know, like someone's go grab him and, and all that. But like, uh, it just makes it feel more like a family, but like, yeah, you know, these are, these are cool kids. And it's been fun to interact. There's one gentleman that goes to our church and he was, he's, uh, recently, you know, dating someone and, uh, he was talking to her, he's telling about this conversation with her and he said, so, uh, so I've got 25 brothers and sisters, you know, I just wanted to get that out there quick to this person that he went, went out to hang out with. And he wanted to get across quick that his church is his family, you know? And so to me, I think that was really, really touching to hear that, uh, because like, uh, what we're, what we're valuing, which is the family God has given us is more than just our family unit, but it's actually this body of Christ that, that God has put together and knit together. Um, and we're not segmented out into like different age groups. Like we, we learn from each other regardless of age. And, uh, and so it's cool to kind of shepherd people through that, like just saying like, there's a lot I can learn from someone from a different stage. And so that's what I've been kind of pointing to people to the most is like, you know, I only see the world through uh, a, a dad with four kids and, you know, accountant, uh, pastor eyes, you know, that's the only vision I have is my own, right? Um, but when someone else is entering into my mix of studying scripture or worshiping on a Sunday morning, 
I get to see how someone from a different uh, uh, set of circumstances uh, is viewing the text or, or worshiping or praying or, or what have you. And there's just more we can learn about the way the Lord loves us differently uh, and uniquely from being in, in the melting pot, so to speak. So, no, and I, yeah. I love the aspect of family that you're referencing there because in a lot of ways, like if we take that, what that old adage, like it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. But there's a lot of truth in saying it, it is, it is important and imperative to have other, especially as men, right? Like yeah. other male role models that are looking to follow Jesus to speak into the lives of our children. Um, yeah. You know, you and I are close enough. Like I trust you implicitly to speak yeah. into the life of my boys. Like as yeah. my boys do something dumb, you're speaking into it as much as I am. And sometimes, you know, even get, going back to a baseball standpoint, I can tell yeah. my kid all day long what to do with the swing. Sometimes it takes somebody else telling him what to do with the swing that he's actually going to listen to. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Having a community of people and not even just dads, a community of other men where they see single men who are trying to follow Jesus. They see married men, they see grandfathers, they see these other guys in their midst that are trying to follow Jesus generationally yeah. and saying, all right, like now all these people I have a certain level of trust with that are able to speak into the life of my children, I think is huge. So to yeah. kind of round out our time here, I want to ask you two different questions. One of them is oh. as you look at the state of, uh, let's just say the American church, let's say the church in general and state of masculinity, the state of fatherhood, the issues that we see inside of it. What is the one thing that you would want to challenge or say to fathers who are maybe in our same stage of life, looking at how do we raise kids intentionally in the world around us? Let's, let's start there before I move to the second one. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd say, um, yeah, I think there's a there's probably a couple of things I'd say. <laughs> uh, first, I'd say acknowledge your own wounds. Hmm. Okay, so acknowledge. Uh, I think when we're when we're being dads, as we are, uh, we have to recognize that we came from other dads, our own dads. You know, uh, and whether we like it or not, uh, we have a pattern that likely follows what our dad modeled for us in some way, shape, or form. We're either we're either reacting against it uh, or we're embracing it wholeheartedly and moving forward. So I think it's important to acknowledge kind of what challenges or opportunities uh, you may have received from your, your father, whether he was present or whether he was not present. Okay. Um, so if you came from a single mother scenario, right. And now you're a dad, well, you've still got some father wounds uh, that are there. I mean, we long for, uh, for a, a family unit that pours into us in a, in a way that God designed it to. And so I think you got to acknowledge what your father wounds are and, uh, and recognize them. Um, and also recognize what is good. You know, I mean, one of the things that I definitely, uh, after having four kids now, uh, recognize from my parents who had four kids, uh, you know, I was definitely harder on them in the past. Uh, in terms of like how well they did raising me. And you know, it was just like, had as well, I'll, I'll do better. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, well, they did a pretty good job, you know? Um, and I didn't necessarily recognize that as much as I do now after, you know, raising four kids or in the midst of raising four kids and, and same for my wife, you know, she's looked at back and said, oh my gosh, like there's so much I, you know, judgmentally thought about my family unit that now I recognize as 
wow, I'm just glad I'm glad I survived, you know, glad, glad they loved me enough to stick around and all that. Um, and so acknowledge what your wounds are. Um, and I say that because you, you have to fight those, you know, uh, my dad struggled with working a lot, you know? And so one thing that I'm very intentional about doing is making sure that I make time for, uh, my kiddos, not that my dad didn't, he did, you know, make time for, and I recognize now better that he did make time, uh, for me. Um, but I know that I'm fighting against something he also fought, which is providing for my family, uh, but also wanting to raise my family well. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping I'm doing a better job on that, but I'm recognizing that's a struggle that he fought as well. Um, and so I'm making sure that I'm, I'm finding time to, uh, to do that well. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, um, don't solve all the problems at once, right? Like, um, you know, it, it's tough as a parent for sure because you feel the time slipping away. <laughs> As soon as like, as soon as you realize like right now I'm at, uh, Hattie is nine. So in nine years, she'll be 18. She'll be, you know, effectively an adult and kind of past. Uh, and one of the, one of the guys that comes to our church, you know, Hey, they've got seven kids, you know, them. And one of the things they say is, well, we've got nine more years to correct this, you know, whatever pattern of behavior is left in them before they can be sane in, in society. Um, and I thought that I've just I've latched on. That's just so, such a good thought, you know, like how many years do I have to make sure they're a responsible adult working in society, you know, well, nine. Um, so you can feel the time slipping away. Um, but, uh, you can't bite it all off at once, you know, so give yourself some grace and work on today, what you can work on today, you know? Um, and you know, I, you know, I love some of the stuff you put out, uh, pretty regularly, uh, on your Twitter and different things like today, Hey, go home and spend time with your kids, love your wife, you know, all this very simple things, uh, you know, that we can chew off and say, okay, how am I going to engage the heart of my children today? Like, what can I do today? And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. I don't have to solve the world's problems here. I just have to make sure that they know that I love them and that I'm here and that I'm going to do everything I can to support them and help them and, uh, and raise them well. So, um, I think, uh, those two things, yeah. Acknowledge the wounds that you have so that you can do better. Um, and, and learn from, uh, what your parents learned. Um, and then also just like give yourself some grace and, and do what you can handle today, you know? So, yeah. I, I hesitate to ask you the second question cause I kind of want to end on the first question, but I, I think it's important. So let me ask you as, as a man who is both pastoring and fathering, as you're yeah. thinking about the discipleship of your children, as mm-hmm. you're speaking to men who are trying to follow Jesus and figure out what it looks like to disciple their kids what would you leave for them when it comes to instilling spiritually in their children what has been instilled with them? Does that question make sense? Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, in terms of like how, how best can we as, as dads disciple our children? Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, similar to what you said, it goes back to kind of the family integrated model of church, right? Like that's kind of where my perspective lands is that uh, I think, you know, where wherever possible and wherever you find trust and hopefully are building trust with a community of believers, uh, let, let other people speak into the lives of your kids. And so like you, you, need, you need more voices because it's important. 
but you can't let them be the only voices. I think the challenge and the, uh, like you said, the, you know, there, there can be a, uh, in sort of American church culture, a bent toward just farming out the discipleship of our kids to a church or to a youth minister or whatever. Um, there's some value to youth ministry. I grew up in a church that had a great youth ministry. And I, I, you know, honestly, during the time stage of my life, I needed that, you know, absolutely. And I even look at today, our church and say, what am I missing as a result of being sort of pursuing this family integrated model? What am I missing from that model that we do need to incorporate, you know, backfill, so to speak. Um, and, and one of them is, you know, here's a, here's someone who is literally dedicated to teaching the word of God uh, to this child and making sure they understand what scripture says here and there and whatever. And so that's a positive thing. So regardless of what your church model is, uh, make sure there's, you know, people, men, women, whoever, to speak in the lives of your kids so they hear it. It's important. It really is important to, um, uh, for our kids to hear from other people outside their parents, uh, you know, to like verify in some ways, like, yeah, dad's not lying. Like even, you know, even John, even Luke, even whoever said, you know, this is the same and encouraged me in the same way. And, uh, so they're not trying to trick me. This is just truth, you know? Um, and they need to hear it from multiple sources and, um, and be opened up to like new, new and different experiences. Uh, right. Like we got to go camp with, uh, with John and other men at a, at a campsite. And, you know, like I don't, I don't have access to some of the hobbies that my friend does. Uh, and so for my kids to see, you know, another family operating life in a different way, um, that gives them a, you know, like a different view of like, okay, this can be done differently and well, um, even though it's not the same, you know? So, uh, I think it is important to have, you know, more voices speak into uh, our kids' lives. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, in terms of discipleship, be willing to, uh, allow your kids to hear from others, uh, from scripture, but also like, uh, you know, own that as well. Don't let it just like, <laughs> don't let it just come from somewhere else, but also let it come from somewhere else. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, uh, yeah, 100%. hopefully that makes sense. I'm not sure. hundred <laughs> percent. No, and I think that's huge in just creating that community around ourselves you know, yeah. through the church that, you know, our kids are looking at other people. Um, yeah. And we're encouraging them in that direction. Um, right. So I appreciate you saying that because I think that's, that's huge for us as dads because we're not, you know, nothing in scripture leads us to do anything alone. Um, right. You know, parenting, even in the midst of marriage, we're meant to do in community. It's not meant to be a lone ranger idea. And yeah, that exactly. same thing rings true for community and, and stepping into that and allowing our children to enter into community with us. You know, one yeah. of the things that I've seen over the years is how many people desire community, but desire community in the ways that feel comfortable. So yes. we can hang out with you if our kids are already in bed or with a babysitter. Right? Yes. Like yes. And that's something yeah. for Abby and myself that we've said over years is, you know, as we engage in ministry, as we engage with people, our kids are going to be along with us. Like yeah. in part, and, and a lot of that is an aspect of ministry for us. You know, as yeah. we're discipling people, they need to see how we're engaging with our kids, how we're parenting. Like these are yeah. all things that speak to where our hearts actually at in the process. Yeah. And being able to invite other people into that community to be able to walk it with us is, is a huge thing. Um, yeah, definitely. It's a mess, but it, but it's valuable. I mean, just like I always say, like people always want to do house church, right? 
it sounds like a great, wonderful idea until it's happening in their house. Right. <laughs> and they're going, what did we do? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's really important to let your kiddos have, have voices from other places. And I, and I even open that up to like, you know, it's your responsibility as a man and as a, as parents to, you know, like as they're, you know, not necessarily shelter them from all content in the world, but engage with content. So like, if you're watching movies, whatever your line is as to what movie you guys are going to watch, like if, if you end up watching a movie with your kids, it's like, uh, you know, maybe further than you expected it to go in terms of boundaries or lines, then don't just let it lie, you know, just talk through the issue and say, okay, so that was a little more than we expected it to be. Like, how did that hit you? What, you know, ask some questions to kind of like, uh, you know, engage the subject and, and not just let some conversation. Christy's really good about this with, you know, some of the Disney stuff we watch. It's like, sure. hey, so, uh, so this was talking about some spirits. Uh, you know, we don't believe in those spirits. Uh, this is a fun, you know, magical thing that we're talking about. And, and so actually, you know, bringing it back down to the level of what is true and what is just kind of uh, uh, fun or imaginative. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, it's important. No, and, well, and I think that's, and, and not to belabor the point here, I think we could talk about this yeah. a lot when it comes to parenting, but <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, it's breaking down that sacred secular divide. I think as we think yeah. about family discipleship in so many categories, we think, all right, we're going to set up, you know, 8 to 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night where we're going to have, you know, family worship and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, and part of like, yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. But how are you discipling in the momentary? How are yeah. we walking with our kids in the momentary through what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what they're around? You know, for me in, inside of baseball, my kids are in the dugout with me. Like my right. boys are in the dugout with me. I'm not in control of what they hear. I'm not in control yeah. to see. So as those things are happening, as they're hearing conversations and they're hearing profanity and they're hearing X, Y, and Z, you know, yeah. how are walking with them through understanding, all right, like this is the reality of the world. These are words that we don't use. This is what these words mean. And walking yep. in that process because they're along for the ride with us. And like you yeah. said, it is a mess, right? Like parenting yeah. is a mess, but it's, it's a beautiful mess that they're allowed to step in with us because that's yep. how we're doing ministry together. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. that's awesome. Well, anyways, I don't want to. I don't want to take more of your time because I know we're we're running up into <laughs> this. But um, but I do want to say to to those of you listening, uh, thanks for following along with the Fatherhood on the Field podcast. Uh, if you're interested in what Blake's doing, uh, you can speak to this more, Blake. But you can check out Restoration Clearwater on Instagram, or uh, sure, I think Cafe so. on Instagram, or Restoration yeah. Clearwater is also on Facebook, or RestorationClearwater.org. Correct. That's right. Uh, yeah, restorationclearwater.org, uh, Restoration Cafe Clearwater on Instagram, Restoration Clearwater on Instagram. Yeah, just, you know, Restoration Clearwater, you'll find us. Boom, there it is. <laughs> so I appreciate you, Blake. Thanks for taking the time to be with us and all of you guys who are listening. Thanks for following along with the Fatherhood on the Field podcast. Have a great day. Bye.